The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come off four. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris. Alongside me is Justin Prince with our producer, Richard Colbreth, and our special guest of the week. He's a former E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Pro Driver from back in the early days, as well as one of the founding members and owners of one of the most interesting and probably most exciting leagues that we saw debut this week. He is the owner of S-Rock. Mr. John Adams joins us. And Justin, getting the chance to talk with John and watching and commentating the S-Rock series that happened this past week was a bit of a throwback, if you think about it, bringing back some of the biggest names that used to compete across all of the years that we've had the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series World Championship since its inception, was a wonderful sight to see a lot of good drivers getting back together and doing something that we all love, racing. Exactly, and for many drivers, it felt like, or looked at the very least, the mix of the new and the old in terms of the drivers who grew up and raced in the original Gen 6 car and those who may have had more experience with the 550 horsepower version of the Gen 6 car and wanted to feel and embrace the more low downforce 750 plus horsepower packages brought in when the Gen 6 car initially came out. Remember that car had a no taper spacer until around 2015 season in real life. So there's a reason it has such a big of a draw and such a big talent pool of drivers wanting to compete. And I think it's good to bring in John at this point because the debut of the series went off with a flying start. Oh, I think the debut went phenomenal. It, uh, man, just to see those names, like you had Thomas Hazard in there. Nobody has seen that guy it's since like 2014 like he's been dropped off the planet and there's a lot of other names in there that's not been there either so just to see all those names racing together again there was no rivalries everyone was there just having fun like they just enjoyed it it was almost kind of like an all-star race but you got eight all-star races so we got seven more to go so i'm looking forward to that but i think the debut went really 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 well um you know, I was expecting more cautions than what we had, honestly, but it is Daytona, so you'll have crapshoot races like that. But I think the mile and a half uh, is probably going to be one heck of a show. Especially with the driving difference that fans have come to embrace when it comes to looking back towards the prior to tape or spacer era when it comes to Gen 6. Talk about, first of all, the way things came about, how this all came to be, because it expanded very quickly once the initial announcement came out. Yeah, honestly, you know, I've actually been working with Booty Banjo, Garrett Delco there at Shenandoah Shine, and he had a charity race going on with the Gen 6 car 
was just the Chevy SS at Chicagoland Speedway. And, uh, you know, I had myself in there along with Casey Tucker, you know, Kevin McAdams and, you know, Sean Butler and Boyd Hogan and, you know, a few more of those guys that are in S-Rock. And it was just amazing racing. And I just threw the idea out there. I'm like, wouldn't it be crazy if somebody made a league with this car? Because compared to, you know, because, you know, compared to, you know, the next gen or like even the gen seven cars, the racing just isn't the same as it is in those cars. You actually have to drive to be good. It's not just flat foot around the track and turn left. Like these cars, you actually got to use your throttle input, your braking input, everything like that. And I just threw the idea out there and everybody's like, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. And, you know, the next thing happened was me and booty got together and, you know, we started talking about it. And I'm like, I don't even know what we would call this league. And it took us like probably a good two days to figure out the name of it. And he was like, I want to throw the name shine in there somewhere. I'm like, all right, then I was like, how about we do it like an I rock, but we'll just call it S rock shine race of champions. And he was like, let's do it. So then, you know, from that point on, I just had people contacting me about invites. Cause I never sent nobody an invite. They just contacted me and I was like, yeah, man, come on, you're in, let's do it. Yeah. Especially with the outreach, it was incredible to see some of the drivers who came out including those after all the drivers had the locked-in announcements come in, the amount of drivers coming in for the non-locked-in spots as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, I don't even know what kind of strength of field that was at Daytona. <laughs> I know I probably brought it down a good bit. I think I had the lowest eye, eye rating of anyone in there uh, just because I have been really terrible the past few years that I've been on here. But um, after that race at S-Rock, there are some more pro drivers and coke drivers uh looking interested into the league and uh we got a special guest coming next week at atlanta um he's been a coke driver for many 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 years ever since a bit ever since the, ever since the start of the coke series so uh that should be a fun sight to see we'll see if he can qualify in because he's gonna have to be one of those guys to qualify in i find that very interesting where now that the series has gone and underway it's got even more demand like that. Taylor, I'm sure you've got a lot of questions with this because that is a huge thing to potentially keep an eye on for the second race of the season. It, it certainly is. And, and John, I wanted to talk to you about this. You know, we, we see some of the biggest names that have returned in this series, like a former champion, Tyler Hudson, Michael Conti, even NASCAR drivers and future NASCAR rookies are in this series, such as... Anthony Alfredo and Raja Karuth, who come out here and compete. The thing is, though, one thing that we I, we noticed while watching that race, uh, myself and Terry, was the camaraderie amongst the drivers. Yes, we had a small little incident on the opening lap, but other than that, everyone was there having a good time, enjoying almost, if you think about it, like you pointed out, a small family reunion, getting back together, seeing all these former drivers and champions and with a car that we all started off with when joining the iRacing service with these gen six cars but noticing this how have you think that this car was the defining point of iRacing in general before we received the updates over the past few years and now getting ready to go into a brand new car in 22 yeah i mean you know this car here uh you know the you know the you know the gen 6 car it was uh it really showed a driver out of out, out of you like it like it wasn't about setup you know obviously the setup helped anyone and everyone but at the end of the day 
it was all driver. There was nothing to do with the setup. So you could have the, you know, you know, you know, a 25th place, you know, um, setup and you could, you know, like you could finish top five with it. Um, uh, so that's why we got the Reaper Speed Labs to build the setups because I'm so far out of the date with setups and builds since then and everything like that. So I was like, we need to get somebody that knows what they're doing with this car and see if we can get some good setups built together. But like you said, it was like a fam it was like a family reunion. You had the new guys that had a ton of respect for the older guys that had a lot of history. And I think you could have the old guys that got a lot of respect for the new guys because honestly, I don't see how these new guys are doing it. I'm not quick at all in anything new, so I got mad respect for those guys. So I think it's just all around, just a whole respect thing on, um, you know, that first race of the season there. Who were some of the people that you were surprised when you came up with this idea along with your people who worked and built this series were surprised of how well they were able to do once running this race as well as maybe some of the other races that you hosted before the big show started? And who were some of the ones that you were surprised who had any interest in even coming on board for this championship? Uh, I would say probably Tyler Hudson, just because, you know, he was a co-champion. And then after that, he kind of dropped out of everything and he went to the staff of I, of iRacing and he was just kind of like out there. Like he didn't really want to compete at the top level anymore, which I thought was kind of weird because he's got the talent. He's a really good driver. And, uh, he came to me and was like, hey, man, I want to join your league. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you you are in. You you are locked in. No problem. And, uh, you know, you got him. Josh Berry's another one because Josh Berry, he has his own thing going now with Xfinity, with Junior Motorsports. You know, I'm happy for him and that. And I was shocked that he wanted to come race this too because he's not on iRacing as much as what he used to be. So that was another shock. And, you know, just all the old names from like 2011 and 2012. Thomas Hazard, like I said earlier, and, it's just Brad Wright, you know, like all them guys. It's, 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 it's crazy, and I love it. I love it so much. I got to say, when I saw the entry list, once I logged in to get things going for the broadcast, seeing some of those names, it kind of brought back memories of even before I got involved with iRacing, you know, you know, when it first came into inception with their world championship, seeing these names, it's like the amazement. And overall, how do you think, the future of this series will be knowing that people are showing interest. They're wanting to come back and do this week after week for these eight race series and have a good time. Yeah, there hasn't been any talk about a second season uh, just because I was nervous about, you know, the first race of the season. So I haven't even put any thought into a second season. If that ever does come on down the road, it'll probably stay a like winter series there might be something small like in the summertime but i think it's a good time to do it because like i said you have all your coke guys in there and even if they ain't ain't in coke anymore they are probably helping somebody that is in coke so they got a lot of time on their hands to build setups for that series so i feel like that would kind of be a conflict with anyone that's in that series trying to you know trying to compete so i'm probably going to keep it as a you know, as a, like, uh, I guess you would say an off season, winter season, basically. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, a second season. That's, that would be fun. Uh, definitely. We have been talking about, uh, changing the format up as far as who's locked in and whatnot, because like I said, at first we only had 50 people show up 
or actually sign up. And I'm like, okay, we need to lock in the guys that deserve to be locked in. And then, then the next thing I know, after I make that list, there's like a whole flock of drivers coming like, Hey man, I want to sign up. And I got Coke winners. That's not even locked in. I actually have a Coke champion that's going to be racing soon. That's not even going to be locked in. He's going to have to qualify his way in. So it's just wild, man. It's, it is, it is insanely wild. Well, let's take a step back in history with you, John. You joined on iRacing back in its early years in 2009. You had the chance to compete in the eNASCAR Pro Series, picking up two wins in 2010 and 2011, and even two Coca-Cola iRacing Series wins back in 2012 and 2013. Talk to us how you got involved with iRacing and what made you want to get involved with these world championships. Uh, well, you know, I came from, you know, the Papyrus in NR2003, and uh, I heard about iRacing in 09 and signed up, and, you know, I was, I don't even know how old I was, 15, 16 at the time. I didn't have a job, and I seen that it was, you know, a subscription base. I kind of talked my mom into, you know, paying a month or two, and then I found out you had to buy each track and car, and I'm like, man, well, I mean, then eventually I had a few of my friends that I raced with at the time. They would actually buy me a track here and there and a car here and there. And then finally, I don't remember how far down the line it was, but then I got a sponsorship and they started paying for it because for some reason I had a high enough I rating to be, have a black stripe, which is, a you know, at the time it was a pro license. And then I ran the pro series and just picked up more sponsorships and bought more tracks and more cars. And, you know, and then that was pretty much it. And then I retired in uh, 2013. Um, just because I had a life changing thing going on, you know, I had a career to focus on at the time and, uh, I pretty much came back around, you know, the time the pandemic hit basically. Uh, so here I am, I'm back and, uh, yeah, man, it's, it is awesome. And it definitely has changed since, uh, 2013. So that's a lot of years of experience I've lost there. What was that life changing moment? If you don't want me asking. Uh, just basically I changed careers. Um, I was, a I was actually an overnight Walmart stalker and, uh, you know, I had to be there at 10 o'clock at night and the Coke races started at nine o'clock. So that was kind of like, well, I'm not going to be able to race. And I, I tried to take off the Tuesdays that, you know, they had the Coke races, but that wasn't always accepted. So I would have to miss Coke races. And then so far, I mean, I just fell so far out of the points. There's no even... There was no point in me even trying to make the top 25 to stay in the series for 2014. So I just, so, I mean, I just completely hung it up. I put my wheel in the closet. I quit. Like that was it. And then I just disappeared. Like nobody didn't see me for until 2016, whenever Ray Alfala sent, sent me a message and said that he was having an all-star race in the late models at New Hampshire. So I pulled the wheel out for that and came back and I ran that one off race. And then that was pretty much it. Now, you mentioned you came back more so with the pandemic as well. What was kind of the reaction like for you when you seen just how much the scene of when it comes to racing and iRacing in general changed, especially with the whole structure of eNASCAR and how some of the teams were changing within the pandemic itself on top of that? Yeah, well, I mean, it all started from whenever they were, whenever they showed the, uh, Coke race that Zach Novak won at Homestead when he won the championship. I watched that on TV and I'm like, man, I wish I was still in this because I could be on national TV right now. Like, this is awesome, man. I, I mean, I was having a blast and I seen names in there that were still in it. I'm like, man. So after that, you know, I got my computer hooked and I still have the same hardware 
from 2013. I have the same wheel. I actually upgraded my pedals, but pretty much the power supply, the motherboard, everything's the same. Like I still got the same equipment from back then. So I'm very, very out, outdated. But, uh, you know, I got in contact with some friends. Ray Alfala at the time was, you know, with Slip Angle. I contacted him. I was like, hey, man, I want to come back. I want to run Road to Pro. Can you help me out? He's like, yeah, sure. So, you know, I joined up with him and Slip Angle and Brian Blackford and all them. And I ran Road to Pro in 2020. Uh, uh, I had an okay start to the season. Not that great. I didn't have a good eye rating at the time. So that wasn't that good either. So I, I don't know. I just kind of lost interest in the Road to Pro. It just, uh, it wasn't the same to me, man. It just felt there were way too many people thinking that they were better than everybody else. And that's not how I was brought up in eye racing. Everyone had respect for everybody. You had one or two guys that didn't like each other and that was it. But everybody in road to pro just drove way in over their heads. Didn't give anyone any type of room. And of course, in that, you know, that truck at the time, it was full throttle everywhere you went. It was, it was insane. And you know, the era model, you can't pull away from the pack. If you were fat, like, I don't know. So I just did not like it. I'm like, I'm not going to run road to pro. I don't want to be in Coke again. So, you know, that was that. Coming up, more with John Adams, owner of S-Rock and former driver in what is now the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crossway Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crossway Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris, with our producer Richard Gobreth with you along with John Adams as we currently discuss the changing of the tides over the past few years when it comes to the scene of iRacing. And it's worth noting when, for those listening for the first time, how iRating works essentially is the strength of a driver's total finishes of sorts, where the higher your iRating, the higher strength of fields you compete in. Hence why the importance is being emphasized and has been emphasized throughout the course of this so far. Now, getting back towards that, John, of course, at the same time, the way the commitments have changed is also completely changed, especially 2020. Emphasize the amount where it went from essentially going from being able to do a few hours per week to if you don't put a thousand laps in, you're getting screamed at by the end of the week. Your thoughts on that dynamic, knowing how much more in time investment is required to be able to even have a team willing to back you and road to pro i mean i don't think that part has really changed because you know back when i was in coke in 2012 and 2013 you know i was either solo by myself building setups or i was helping with somebody else like gail force and tyler hudson and all them guys i was helping them out they were helping me out and i still put in if i had a guess maybe 40 to 50 60 hours a week on a track before the race and you know I may have finished good. I may have not finished good. Well, then, of course, I got the job, and that kind of slowed down my practice time. And then after you get to a point of you only practicing four or five hours, the guys that are putting in the work for 50 hours, they don't want to help somebody that just comes in there and puts in, you know, say, you know, 200, 300 laps of practice and then just hand them the setup. Like, that's not how that works, and that's not how I used to work. So I don't think that's really changed because that's how it is still today especially when I was on slip angle, like I kind of felt bad because, you know, I work 60 hours a week now at my job 
and I didn't really have much time to come home and help slip angle. They were just kind of give me the setups and I didn't like that. So I kind of backed out of that. I'm like, I don't like taking setups from y'all. I know y'all are helping me out, but um, I was like, I just don't want to do this. I was like, if I do this, I want to do it on my own. That way I have the bragging rights at that. But at the same time, I don't know how the setups are built nowadays. I don't know how these guys are doing it. So, you know, I just backed out of it completely because I just did not have the time to put into it. Interesting. And when it comes to the racing side now, what is your main focus outside of S-Rock now in terms of what you race in and compete in then in terms of that? Is there anyone in turn that you're having assistance or learning from to learn those today's set of knowledge? Uh, not, not, not really anything. Honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't run anything official. The, if I do run official, it's fixed setups and I just go onto the UI and I filter it to fix up racing only. And if I see a C fix race coming up that track, I click on it because I stream and I, I actually do it for fun now. Used to, I used to do it because I wanted a good I rating. I wanted those bragging rights saying, Hey, I got a 7,000. And, you know, I got two Coke lens. Like, that was awesome. But at the same time, that wasn't – I didn't like the way I thought about it back then. Now, this all started because it's a hobby. We all start this as a hobby. And it got to a point where it wasn't a hobby, and you would go into a race, be stressed out about it, having to qualify good, you get wrecked out, then you're just torn apart to pieces because – you put in so much work and it just got turned over, you know, within five laps or, you know, a hundred laps of the race. And, uh, so I came back and I started streaming and I got a decent community built up and we just get on there and I chat with all the guys. And, you know, of course they might ask me questions like y'all were asking me about the past. And, uh, I just going to have fun, man. Like, you know, if I wreck out of an official race, I wreck out of an official race. I don't take it to heart. I just go and log into the next race and go have fun there. Well, let's talk about your streaming. You have quite a big following, of course, with your Twitch channel. What made you want to get involved with doing something like that? We see that all over the iRacing community, but it's great to see new or a lot of returning faces to start their own streaming. What made you want to do this and some of the highlights of starting your own streaming? Well, I, I don't know if anybody really remembers this from back in the day, but uh, 2012 year in Coke, um, I used to make a, a I used to make an episode of every Coke race, and I would call it the Camouflage Wheelman, and I would post it on YouTube. And what that consisted of was it was me showing the replay from my cockpit view, and I would have my camera like in the bottom left, like you see all the streamers now. And I'm just sitting there, and, and I am actually talking about the race. I'm talking about the drivers, pretty much smack talking because it was funny. It was, you know, it was a comedy that I was trying to do, and people really enjoyed that. And uh, you know, of course, I got a big following on my YouTube channel as well because I make videos all the time. I don't really have time to do that anymore, like I want to. But so I seen a bunch of people streaming, like you know, Jonathan Cadell. You know, he's a longtime friend of mine, and you know, Shield House and everybody, I see them streaming. I'm like, man, I, like, I think I could really be good at this because everybody liked my camouflage wheelman thing. I think they might like me on Twitch too. So, you know, I started it and it was a really rough start. I was actually shocked that I did not get more followers than what I did to begin with, but it's slowly climbing. So it has been a hard battle, 
just because of my internet connection I have here at the house. I'm actually running off of two internet connections. I stream on 4G LTE internet and I race on my home internet. So, because my home internet is not good enough, I get 0.8 megabyte upload speed. So, yeah, I use a hotspot to stream. So, it's been a struggle, but I'm getting there. I feel your pain. I used to have that kind of slow internet myself when I was living, first moved back to Florida here recently. But, you know, watching and learning about all of the continuous changes we've seen in the world of esports since iRacing's inception in early to the mid 2000s. We see this continuous change, and of course, everyone talks about how 2020 was the turning point of iRacing being on the big stage, where everyone recognizes the importance of sim racing. Your point thoughts, though, on how these past few years of e-racing and sim racing have continued to showcase new talents, new ideas... And what you do you think? How would you feel about what the new future is ahead for iRacing? Well, you know, obviously, with you know, Pete Canterfree is getting involved to begin with after it was just the iRacing and NASCAR sanctioned sponsorship for those series. Once Pete got involved, I think that was a stepping stone to the next level. And you know, that was whenever he was getting more money payouts in that series. And then after that came Coca Cola. And it just changed everything, man. The payouts changed. They were starting to do all this media. They flew everybody to North Carolina, Charlotte, to, you know, have all these clips for the broadcast. And, I, man, no, <laughs> I never thought I would see the day that, 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 that something like that would happen. And, you know, I got to see my really good friends like Chris Erblin have a good time with it. And, you know, he's one guy that, like, nobody liked him when he came into sim racing. And I was just one of the guys that was like, Chris, like, you got this, man. Stick to it. Don't let nobody talk you down. You got it. If you need help, let me know. I'll help you out. And, you know, he was in Coke longer than I was. So it's just crazy to see uh, just how far the Simmons came with it, even being broadcast on national television. Like, that was just like a wow moment. And, uh, you know, you don't really see any anything. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen, like, Call of Duty or, like, Madden or anything like that on, you know, national television. So just to see something that all of us are very passionate about to be on there is just, I don't know, it's just amazing. We we see about your career you've had on the service. We've seen your Twitch growing each and every time. I'm looking at it right now, and it's been phenomenal what you're able to do. Uh, but And also what you're able to do with Slip Angle Motorsports. What's the one thing, looking back on your 10-year career on iRacing, that you look back and say that is probably the best moment that you've ever experienced with iRacing or that defining point when it comes to getting involved with iRacing. <laughs> oh, if he's listening, he's going to hate this because I rag on him every time we meet up with each other. Uh, Ray Alfala, me beating him at Indianapolis in 2013. <laughs> and he blames it on his tape configuration. That's why I kept blocking him down the back stretch and front stretch because I knew he was over tape and I wasn't. And plus, he had a lower gear ratio than I did, so that wasn't helping him, him, you know, at all. But no, that that would be my defining moment. And everybody always is, you know, always like, "Really, Pocono's not?" I'm like, "No." I was like, "That's my wheelhouse. Like, Pocono's my wheelhouse." But if it wasn't for Nick Ottinger and Steve Sheehan wrecking each other, I didn't have a chance to win that race. Those guys were way faster than me. I was just lucky enough to be right there behind them when they both collided. So, my defining moment was Indy, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but after Indy, I did not race another Coke race again. 
That was it. Once I beat Ray, I retired. Why was the retirement? I mean, you constantly could have had a good shot to go against him for a possible championship or even a strong finish in the championship after that. Well, you see, before Andy, I had missed four races in a row just because of my career. You know, I was on night shift at Walmart, and I could never get those Tuesday nights off. And at, and then at the time, I was on the uh, team we called MCR, which is called like Omega Crew Racing, and it just had a bunch of people on there like Jordan Hightower, Byron Daly, you know, Brian Blackford, all them guys. And uh, I came back, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to give you uh, any stuff because you ain't been around for like almost a whole month now. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I created the team, Hammer Down Motorsports. It was me, Brandon Cattell, uh, Joshua B. Gerald, and uh, I think it was Casey Malone. And Brandon Cattell built me the setup for Indy. I had maybe 10 minutes of practice on that setup before the race even started. So I didn't know what the car was going to drive like or nothing. And then I beat Ray outright. And I was just like, all right, that's it. I was like, I beat him straight up, head to head. There's no cautions at the end of the race. Nothing. Ha- I was like, that is it. Like, that was my goal, to beat Ray Fowler, like, straight up. And that was it. Huh? After that, I hung it up. Well, John, as we come to a close on this interview and we enjoy your history, we enjoy the excitement ahead of S-Rock. Where can people go to learn more, follow your career, as well as your streaming? We touched on briefly, as well as more information about S-Rock. Yeah, you can go follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com uh, forward slash John, J-O-N. I know a lot of people spell it J-O-H-N, but it's actually J-O-N 84 Adams. And that's my Twitch name as well, John 84 Adams. Uh, like I said, I, I usually stream pretty regularly. Uh especially at nighttime, like anything after eight o'clock, I'm usually only streaming, uh, you know, and then of course I'm very chatty. I always talk to my chat. I don't ever just leave them hanging there. I always respond to them. So I'm not one of those streamers that just ignore the chats. I like to, I like to communicate with everybody. So uh, yeah, you can follow me there. And then if you want to follow me on I on iRacing, just go type my name, send me a friend request or even add me to study or whatever. But like I said, uh, if you race with me in a fish race, you're probably going to beat me because I'm washed up. I'm totally washed up. Like next week at next week at Atlanta, I'll probably qualify 35th and uh, I'll probably finish about 30th. <laughs> and uh, one more thing also about S-Rock, where can people go to follow it? If they want to get involved with it later on, if they have the chance or at least have a chance of qualifying, where can they go to try it out for that? Yeah, you can go to the Shenandoah Shine uh, Twitter handle. Um, that's where the home of S-Rock is. We don't have a Twitter page for them or nothing. We are strictly based off of the Shenandoah Shine Twitter page. And then, of course, we're broadcasting on Podium Esports every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. Uh, so check into that. And like I said, we got seven more weeks to go. And uh, we usually have the schedule posted on Twitter there somewhere. If you need it, just just let me or just let me or Shenandoah Shine know, and we can uh, let y'all know when we're going to be racing because we're taking a two week break right around Christmas, so everybody can spend time with their families and whatnot. Of course, well, John, thank you so much for your time. That is John Adams, former E NASCAR Coca Cola I Racing Series winner, as well as founder of S Rock. Coming up after the break, it is the news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. 
Justin Prince, Taylor Burris with our producer, Richard Colbreth with you. As we get ready to go through the news of the week, and boy, oh boy, has it been a busy week when it comes to some of the sim racing action across the iRacing world. From Pro Series qualifiers to Pro Series debuts at some brand new racetracks, Taylor. It certainly has been an exciting week, and I have to say it starts off with Monday night as two events get down and dirty at both the Bristol Dirt Track as well as at the beautiful Knoxville Raceway with Monday Night Racing. Also, the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car World Championship, and I got to say, Justin, watching that championship race at Bristol we saw the real-world racing happening at Bristol Dirt this year in 2021, but seeing it once again being utilized in iRacing and seeing the Swindale Speed Labs esports team of James Eden taking home the win was an expressive and a very exciting finish. And the interesting thing when it comes to that racetrack is coming into that night, Taylor, the expectations for some of the competitors, to be quite frank, was low because I could not find a single person when trying to reach out to several groups who were feeling lukewarm about Bristol. Then it exceeded everybody's expectations because they were expecting it to just be a top-feed racetrack right around the cushion with it slicking up so quick that it'd be difficult to build up an airline. Then everyone found the bottom line, and then the ultra-bottom line. And those lines really, I think, made it to where you had so many potential opportunities to battle for positions throughout the heats, the LCQs, and the feature that it just what led to some of the best racing of the entire season. I think it blew everybody's expectations out of the water. But the interesting thing is, it wasn't just a clear coat or a clear cut race of, okay, this driver's going to dominate. You had so many different strategies, comers and goers. It was one of the most intriguing races of the season. And that's the amazing thing when it comes to bringing a track such as the Bristol Dirt Track to the iRacing circuit. It's an unknown. A lot of drivers are trying to figure out that opportunity because of the so many different lanes that you can utilize at that track. And it, it shows. And, of course, with Swindell, of course, a name as famous as that. Who knows a thing or two about back in the early days of racing at Bristol? But seeing this team go at it and take home the win, it certainly has excelled them. But... One thing we got to talk about is championship. After three rounds, James Eden moves up to second in the point, but he's got to go up against defending champion Alex Bergeron, who has a pretty good points lead right now. Just about 20 points separates the top two, but from second all the way back to fifth, it is a tight battle for those other positions. A one-point gap between James Eden and Cameron Merriman, and then another four points to Blake Majulis, who picked up the win earlier this season. And the important thing to mention is with that top five when it came to Bristol, it was Edens, Hayden Cardwell, Bergeron, Dylan Yeager, Logan Rumsey. There's been one constant when it comes to Bergeron and why he's leading the points despite no victory so far. He's been able to finish in the top five each and every feature. Everyone else who has won, they've essentially struggled to be consistently up towards the very front. If anything, you have drivers like Majulis, like, for example, the last race winner, Evan C., who also struggled as a result of, to be quite frank, a hard, hard, hard hit from Adams Bergeron into turn one. So a lot has shuffled when it comes to how that championship's been faring out, but it's been made clear. If you want to win this year's title, you need to be consistent. The tough part is, you have so many up-and-comers and young guns who have gone up through the ranks for the past couple years on iRacing, have raced against these competitors in the tune-up leagues that are being held by multiple different sanctioning bodies 
as well as the qualifying series, as well as the fact that the adjustments made to these cars prior to the World Championship Series getting underway have favored the driver's skill so much, you not necessarily are going to have one driver who can immediately walk away. Hence why the next couple races are going to be also very critical for anyone who wants to keep up with Bergeron, let alone pass him, to be able to win multiple races. I think you need to get into victory lane more than once to have a shot at this point. You certainly do have to. And, of course, we'll see who takes home the checkered flag next Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on all of iRacing social media platforms as well as Dirt Vision as they head to another world-famous dirt track, Eldora Speedway, where, of course, Bergeron scored his second win last season in order to secure his third straight title. So keep an eye, see how those drivers are going to react, but catch all the action on all of iRacing streaming services and Dirt Vision next Monday night. Speaking of other Monday night racing, the, of course, Monday Night Racing Pro Series at, sponsored by Rowdy Energy Drink, was also racing at the dirt track of Knoxville Raceway, and it was none other than NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Ryan Vargas taking home the win against Kyle Busch and Anthony Alfredo by just a mere two-tenths of a second. But I have to say, watching and calling this race from pit road, it was a drama-filled race because, of course, one driver, Gary Sexton, was just absolutely dominating that race until one small mistake from drivers who got up into the wall and collected for Gary Sexton. I'm going to be quite honest. When it comes to Gary Sexton, I didn't expect him to have that in him when it came to that pace because he's someone, of course, that has a lot of affiliation with Podium Esports, to say the very least, has been with some big groups in various different roles. But to be able to perform against all these drivers at this level kind of showcased some of the preparation skills that Gary Sexton put in to try and battle. But the main thing to think about is it was incredible to say the very least how the fight went amongst the top three up to those final couple laps because essentially came to a couple laps to decide it. You had Alfredo trying multiple different lines. You had Kyle Busch trying multiple different lines. But you just had Vargas who knew just how to defend the lines. Remember talking a little bit with Anthony Alfredo right before the race I personally took part in. And he mentioned... He got all this great advice, and then he followed the opposite direction by accident, where he just matted it down and wishes he went the opposite direction when it comes to how he handled that finish. He certainly did, and that was just absolutely amazing and impressive what Vargas was able to do, as well as both Kyle Busch and Anthony Alfredo, who were able to just keep pace with him and have an exciting race from start to finish. Of course, the next round for Monday Night Racing Pro Series, presented by Rowdy Energy Drink, heads over to Phoenix with the next-gen car, and we talked both to Kyle Busch about it, along with Anthony Alfredo and Vargas, they have no information as far as how these next-gen cars are going to be in the sim when they head to Phoenix. Of course, we all know about the big test that's happening later on this month in the real world that Kyle Busch will have the chance to talk a little bit about later on, but a big opportunity for them to get a head start. My main thought, though, is at the same time, Tim, remember the iRacing version of the next-gen car is also a changing process and progress when it comes to being able to adapt to the changes being made and the adjustments with the real-world car. Because iRacing said it to themselves when this car came out. As the next-gen car adapts, the iRacing car will adapt. And there's a big asterisk when it comes to the information that could come from this. It'd be the final day before the Week 13 portion of the iRacing calendar gets underway. The final one of 2021. 
in our words, Taylor, the, the car can completely change potentially the next day. So it's the matter of how much will it, that information cross over past the next day from Monday Night Racing. And that's going to be the biggest asterisk out of all of it is how much can you actually take on for from there? It is going to be a big question mark for some of those drivers who are going to be going out to Phoenix, but they can take some small aspects out of that to utilize for later dates. So it's going to be interesting to see what will happen come that. But from Monday Night Racing and the World of Outlaws, we head once again back into the world of eNASCAR competition to the eNASCAR Contender iRacing Series as they head to Nashville and it was none other than Space Station Gaming's very own Donovan Strauss in the number 51 Ford who took home the win by a swapping one-and-a-half-second lead over Legacy Esports' Caden Honeycutt. Justin, in a race that was exciting, full of energy as we saw that action happening. It was full of action when it came to the mid-pack, and a few drivers had mentioned it was they were expecting to be the most difficult race to pass in of the season. And for some, it proved to be that way because the— fact was so many battles went and took place in the mid-pack of course taylor when it came to how things played out however you have to consider this when it comes to everything when it comes to the drivers when it comes to everything it was just a matter of could you get a car that could handle once it got some space Dominic strauss had that it was to the point where he could go like 50 percent in terms of how hard he was pushing and run away by just saving those tires by five, six laps to start off a run. He essentially said it best, where he felt one with the car and one with the oil temp. All while, mind you, he was under the weather with a 101-degree fever tailor to be able to come away with that victory. Absolutely huge when it comes to that night. And for some, they feel like that could be the tipping point to make sure he makes it on in, depending on how things fare out the rest of the way. It certainly is indeed. Of course, the next round of the eNASCAR Contender iRacing Series will, of course, head to the Monster Mile at Dover next Tuesday night at 9 p.m. That's going to be December 7th. Catch all the action there on all of iRacing streaming platforms. But with that, we have one more big topic to talk about here. As we also have to say, the 2022 iRacing Special Events calendar has been released, Justin. And I got to say, looking at the special events for 2022, some old returning favorites are coming back in the world of iRacing, but a couple of other surprising ones I've noticed also making their debut on the iRacing service. Yes, indeed. I remember we were talking about this a little bit a little while ago when it came to some of the various parts of that schedule and how, respectively, they would be implemented throughout the campaign. And keep in mind, a lot of favorites continue to be a part of that schedule the iRacing roar we know the influence of that obviously when it comes to the roar before the 24 which will be utilizing various different types of cars you have the daytona 24 the daytona 500 the bathurst 12 hours sebring for 12 hours the nurburgring 24 that's going to be a huge one for some of the top teams on the service but of course you can't talk about that without having that memorial day stretch of the indy 500s the Coke 600. They actually used the name Coke 600 this year compared to in past years where it was the Charlotte 600. So it's good to see that support coming on in. But the main things of events coming in is the increase in some of the support when it comes to some of the dirt stock side. Knoxville Nationals again returns back. 
Crown Championship gets its own special event sanctioning. Winter Derby, which did very well this season and brought some of the biggest names in short track racing out, came back. So a lot of events that fans are familiar with are returning back. They certainly are, Justin, and it's going to be exciting to see a couple of others that are some special ones that I noticed. The Suzuka 10 Hours, the Bathurst 1000 making a return. The one I think everyone wishes to make a return, but unfortunately due to the fact of some contractual issues with other companies, is, of course, the famous Le Mans 24 Hours. And unfortunately, until some other issues are resolved, the only time we will see that type of racing happen is if it's a hosted special event from other people inside the world of iRacing, which is sad, but at least there is groups of people out there who do come up with that. But I also did notice one thing is that special 24-hour series that we have on iRacing, and not too long ago, they ran it earlier this year, was a 24-hour event at Le Mans, which was exciting. So maybe that's how we'll get to have utilize that. But it's still great to see iRacing getting involved with these major events for 2022, and we look forward to covering them all starting next year. But with that, Justin, it's hard to believe another episode is over. We cannot wait to see what happens for next week, as it is a build week next week. So make sure to tune in as we cover all the juicy details of what is to come in Season 1 2022 build as we get ready for another week of the iRacers download. For all of our special guests for this week, including, of course, my co-host, Justin Prince, and our producer, Richard Colbra, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.